0: So good morning, everyone. I'm Yanis Kouniotis from Lambadaris Law Firm. Nico, thank you so much for inviting me once again in New York. We'll be discussing today about energy transition, and let me make, you know, a small opening statement. As the world leaders gathered at COP in Dubai, there is a widespread acknowledgement of the scale of action required to address climate change by accelerating the development of low-carbon energy sources, while also decarbonizing industry and transportation. This global energy transition will require large-scale construction of renewables and other low-carbon infrastructure worldwide, as well as the development and implementation of new technologies and the scaling up of existing ones investment in batteries for energy storage and electric vehicles, carbon capture and storage, sustainable aviation fuels and green hydrogen, among others, are needed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in hard to abate sectors in addition to power generation. We are fortunate enough to have today six specialists, six leaders on the field. We have three large corporates and three large banks, both nationally and internationally. I will start with Ravina Advani, Head of Energy and Natural Resources and Renewables Coverage, Head of Low Carbon Transition Group America's BMP Paribas. She knows a lot about the topic and Actually, I'm about to address the very first question, Ravina. How can we credibly, and I stress the word credibly in terms of technology, facilitate the development of the energy transition? And if possible, can you please discuss on your role in the process and how do you see yourselves in Greece?
1: Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for for having me here today. And all of those technologies that you mentioned and even some of the commentary prior to this panel just around greening Greece's economy are music to my ears because as a banker, this is really where we want to be spending our time, is really investing in the energy transition, which is very much underway. Um, You know, the the financial industry as a whole plays a really important part in combating this climate crisis that's in front of us. And when I look at BNP Paribas um, as one participant in the broader financial industry, um, you know, we have put ESG at the forefront of everything that we've been doing for the past decade and counting. We have financial and investment policies in place that restrict what we can do in the fossil fuel industry, specifically as it relates to coal, as it relates to mining, as it relates to upstream oil and gas, as it relates to unconventional oil and gas. And even earlier this year, the bank put forward a 2030 plan to really accelerate our pivot from fossil fuels. We've been doing a lot of things over the years, but this plan is very tangible and very concrete, and it's very much well underway. And we're doing it with an eye to ensure that we're doubling down our our efforts in the low carbon space, which is a multi-trillion dollar space. When you look at the energy transition spend last year alone, um, it exceeded over a trillion dollars in CapEx. And depending on the report that you pick up, that's really going to reach anywhere from five to ten trillion dollars annually therein representing an opportunity for the financial industry and for many of us in this room. Um, We, as a bank, are doing a lot. Um, We've been growing many of our product offerings to ensure that we can support our clients really across the capital stack whether it relates to equity, whether it relates to debt. We're expanding our technology focus. When you look at the industry just three years ago, a lot of our efforts were focused on on wind and solar globally, but now we're looking at, at hydrogen, we're looking at carbon sequestration, many of the technologies that Yanis outlined for you that were very topical at COP. Um, And lastly, we're we're riding the tailwinds that exist right now. There's a lot of focus on, you know, the, the net zero momentum, the innovation in the industry, and all of the policy support. I won't touch on the IRA, but we're excited about Greece's national energy climate plan. And as a big bank, Greece plays a very critical role in our broader transition efforts for all of the reasons that the prior panelists were talking about. There is a lot of um, transition that's underway um, in terms of solar and wind and even the floating LNG. That's infrastructure that we as a bank are financing and supporting, and we are excited about the battery storage, the additional interconnection that is going to be required to help Greece achieve its net zero plan. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Ravina. And I'm uh, moving forward to Costas Vasilis, Deputy CEO, Eurobank. No need to say much about Costas. I'm going, you know, straight to the topic. Costas, what kind of and scale of projects in the energy field are to be implemented in Greece, and how these projects are to change the state of play? Is it possible for the Greek banking system to support the energy transition of the country?
2: Thank you. Thank you, Janis. Uh, thank you for uh, having us. Um, maybe, I don't, maybe I shouldn't focus on uh, the magnitude of uh, the project in what sense that uh, I think uh, our audience uh, heard uh, uh, Mr. Piat, uh, that actually he knows extremely well uh, Greece, and then Mr. Minister Skilakakis, and I think actually uh, he described uh, in uh, detail exactly what's happening uh, in Greece right now. The only thing that I can say is that uh, I fully confirm of uh, what uh, has has been heard because uh, people sometimes are skeptical about uh, politicians. Uh, I can tell you as a technocrat that actually what uh, you have heard is exactly what's happening in Greece uh, right uh, now. So we'll move uh, maybe to the next uh, question regarding uh, the financing of uh, these uh, projects. Actually I'm very uh, lucky uh, today because I'm in a panel that uh, besides uh, having uh, next to me Vasilis, uh, Petros, and Konstantinos, that uh, besides the colleagues from the international banks that uh, I- I'm honored of being in the same panel with, uh, with uh, them, uh, I- I'm very lucky in the sense that uh, I will give some uh, real uh, current uh, examples of uh, financing. Uh, for example, with uh, Hellenic Energy, recently with uh, my colleague uh, Vasilis and uh, National Bank of Greece, Uh, we just concluded a very innovative uh, transaction for financing uh, the acquisitions of uh, uh, renewable uh, uh, sources uh, projects uh, in the magnitude of the debt was uh, close to 750 million uh, uh, euros. Uh, With um, Petros and uh, Motor Oil, uh, uh, we supported uh, the acquisition of uh, Anemos and were working in various transactions on uh, the renewables uh, side and of course supporting both in Hellenic Energy and uh, Motor Oil. Large uh, projects uh, uh, on uh, their balance sheet uh, uh, for uh, the fair decarbonization, and reducing the CO2 emissions in the refineries. Uh, last but not uh, least, uh, with Konstantinos uh, and uh, PPC uh, Renewables, uh, first of all, recently in uh, in a very important joint venture that uh, they have with Arve. Uh, 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 of uh, the first project was uh, three clusters of uh, uh, one uh, gigawatt. <coughs> And uh, ourselves, uh, jointly with other Greek banks, but also the RRF, uh, we financed all these projects. Uh, these projects uh, had a total uh, size of 800 uh, million. And recently, actually, we are very proud, uh, jointly. Allow me to say that uh, we just financed uh, the largest uh, PV in Europe, not in Greece, the famous uh, PV project, which is a 550 megawatt uh, uh, project. So the answer is clearly, the clearly, it's clearly yes. Uh, and actually, we. Uh, We made uh, some uh, detailed analysis and uh, uh, in all the areas that uh, Minister Skilakakis uh, mentioned, we see that the total investments that will take place uh, between 23 and uh, 27 in the country in the broader energy sector will exceed 12 billion uh, uh, euros. And actually, more than half of them are already approved and committed by the Greek uh, banks. Uh, I would like to emphasize in two more uh, uh, areas. Uh, it's not just having the liquidity and the capital. I would like <coughs> to emphasize that the terms that we offer are extremely competitive, and it's not uh, just uh, a marketing or a pizza uh, speech. We have so many investors coming outside uh, Greece that could p- potentially bring uh, their own banks in financing the projects uh, in Greece. What we hear from them is that they're getting the same or even better terms, both in terms of tenors uh, uh, pricing, uh, flexibility, and so on and so forth, by getting financing from the Greek banks compared to the to the international banks. Last but not least, I will stay in innovation and the capacity of uh, definitely the Eurobank team, but uh, I believe also the other international, uh, the other Greek uh, banks, on innovation and uh, structuring capability. I will give uh, a recent example. Mr. Uh, 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 Mr. Kylakakis mentioned the pumping storage uh, facility of Phyllogia. This is a very innovative project. There are not so many projects. Actually, it's the first one across Europe. And uh, ourselves as Eurobank, we had uh, uh, the honor of uh, Terna Energy asking us to structure and lead this, uh, this uh, transaction. We structured actually, uh, we, uh, AIB, and actually, uh, we invited EIB, and you know how structured notorious EIB is uh, to look at the facility, and actually, we didn't have any, any comments in our terms. It's so the Greek banks have the liquidity, they have the capital to support the projects, uh, they offer competitive terms and also they have the structural capability for such complex transactions. Thank you, Yannis.
0: Thank you, Kostas. It's so nice to see how all these aforementioned projects fit in with Eurobank strategy. And I'm moving on to Vasily. Vasilis Tsaitas, Group CFO Hellenic Energy. Vasily, can you please provide us with a global view of the energy transition process and in particular of its opportunities as well as threats and if possible a few words about the strategy of Hellenic and how does this fit in with the new environment.
3: Thank you Yanni. Many thanks to Capitaling for having us one more year and good afternoon to all. Well I think in order to discuss about energy transition it's important to set the scene and expectations from what is proving to be a long and difficult journey in order to understand first of all the role of the sector as a whole the contribution from each of the segments as well as the the end-game. For us at Hellenic Energy, this is very relevant because we are among those energy groups that are diversified and produce both molecules and electrons. And we believe that uh, the transition process refers to to both, actually. I think it's important to understand also that uh, when discussing about energy transition, we need to bear in mind that this is a multidimensional process and we need to solve for various uh, factors. The three most important of those, and we should always bear those in mind, are sustainability, security of supply, and cost. I think Europe, over the last several years, has been focused too much on sustainability. And uh, the recent energy crisis uh, in uh, in Europe following the invasion uh, on, on Ukraine clearly showed us that when you're too focused on one of those and you overlook the others, that strategy may, may backfire. So, we need to acknowledge that transition will take time. Uh, it will come at a significant cost for the society, for the, for corporates, and that uh, we need to, to manage all those considerations, the three main, at least, uh, in the best uh, possible way. Before I, I I move on to the to the industry, I think it's important to understand how Greece fits into these three. So in terms of sustainability, Greece has the second largest load factors for both PV and wind uh, in continental Europe. So definitely well placed to support uh, that dimension. In terms of security of supply, Greece is, is that can, I mean, can be a gateway for the production and transportation uh, of uh, of energy in all its forms, whether it's electricity, uh, natural gas, or oil, and um, become uh, improve its position as a guarantor of security of supply in the East Med region. And in terms of cost, Greece, it was mentioned also before, has. The size of, uh, of diversified energy corporates. Some of us are sitting in. Uh, representatives of some of us are sitting in the, this panel today. That can drive innovation. Uh, they have the right quantum for to to conduct the, the large the large investments required in order to drive innovation and bring costs uh, down. So back to the to the industry, I think we need to 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 confirm that traditional energy, if I may use the term like oil and gas and its derivatives, will continue playing a significant role in in the energy sector for several decades to come. So by acknowledging that, we need to also understand that fossil fuels will be part of the solution and not the problem, and we need to see how we evolve them and, de- and, decarbon- and decarbonize them in order to make them relevant for the future. So you have a number of technologies, some of them are out there already, some of them are emerging, and over the next few <coughs> years they will become more economical. Uh, st- I mean, we, we, don't, we cannot provide all the answers right now, but we're more in a discovery and testing mode, but certainly we'll be able to provide the solutions. The first obvious step for the, for the oil and gas industry is to decarbonize its operations to, at the process of, uh, of emitting uh, CO2. So, improving energy efficiency, capturing uh, CO2, it was mentioned before, uh, initially storaging it, but then through the use of energy carriers like uh, hydrogen, transform it into uh, greener forms of of, of energy, like methanol, ammonia, and sim fuels. Now, the industry of liquid fuels production is very well placed to lead the journey in this uh, transformation and, as I mentioned before, uh, is being part of the solution through converting uh, conventional uh, fuel oils into greener forms of uh, of molecules. I think a good example is our core business, uh, our our refining business, uh, which is currently the largest producer and consumer of hydrogen globally. So you do have the know-how in order to be able to evolve it into greener forms. In terms of commercialization, Usually, finers are the the, the the companies that they put together the networks required in order to uh, to you know now are selling uh, liquid fuels in their current form. In the future, we could commercialize hydrogen for transportation uh, in the in, in the in the global set. Uh, moving on uh, to to Greece, so the second question, uh, Yanni, and how uh, fits into the the picture. Um, we, I mean, we have, uh, we, we've been, uh, we've been changing the chemical substance of uh, carbon and uh, hydrogen uh, molecules to create uh, fossil fuels and provide energy uh, for our main market. So now, what we have to do is, we need to make sure that how that we evolve, uh, evolve this uh, business into the future and make it uh, more relevant. So we have our own uh, plan to improve the energy efficiency and autonomy of our uh, uh, refining business as well as capture CO2 uh, and store it anywhere between half to one million tons of uh, of capture. Part of that we're looking into ways to to utilize the CO2 and with the support of uh, hydrogen through um, electrolyzers that uh, will convert water to green hydrogen uh, powered by, by renewables will, uh, will make uh, sim fuels which have a much lower footprint in terms of both scope 1 and 2 as well as uh, uh, scope 3. In what we call uh, new energy, we have come a long way, so renewables effectively, we have come a long way over the last few years. We currently have established a sizable position with 356 megawatt of uh, operating capacity. We're actually across technologies. We're the largest uh, PV operator in Greece currently, and uh, we're also developing in uh, three countries outside of Greece: uh, so Cyprus, uh, North Macedonia, and, uh, and Romania. Following uh, you know recent steps that uh, we have undertaken, our plan is to to get and have the projects in order to get to above uh, one gigawatt of operating capacity in the next uh, couple of years, and then more than double that by the end of the decade. Without considering our uh, uh, our ventures in, uh, in offshore wind. So effectively, that will help us uh, to decarbonize the electricity supply of our, um, our refineries in an accelerated way, grow our business, our total portfolio through a, a zero uh, CO2 uh, carbon uh, footprint um, uh, earnings avenue, reduce uh, the volatility of our earnings, which is more friendly for, for investors, Uh, capture uh, integration value in areas like energy management and profiling uh, that renewables would uh, require. And certainly, last but not least, take advantage of cross-selling opportunities. Let us not forget that we have uh, an interface. With millions of customers through our uh, retail uh, franchise, both in Greece as well as uh, other countries in Southeastern Europe. So, we want to make sure that we're relevant for our customers now. In you order know, to come and buy diesel or gasoline from our petrol stations, in the future, we need to provide them the green energy to run their vehicles or uh, uh, run their business and, and heat their homes. So, th- thank you, Yanni. Over to you.
0: Thank you so much, And I will pass on the torch now to Petros Janetakis, Mr. Petros Janetakis. Deputy CEO Motor Oil, Petros, what does energy transition mean for Greece? Which tools does the country have to achieve decarbonization? And how does it prioritize them? And given that Motor Oil is an oil major, I'm tempted to ask you what are the competitive advantages of an oil major like Motor Oil when developing a large green energy platform like Moore?
4: Hello? Yes, you can hear me. Thank you very much for the questions thank you for being here it's indeed a pleasure as uh, nicolas bornozis has been a classmate of mine in school and even in the same section many many years ago so it is uh, you know double pleasure to be here um, thank you ambassador dupiat for covering uh, so well the part of the you know the geopolitical importance of greece and the energy transition that happens in this part of the world, and to Mr. Skilakakis for highlighting the steps that the Greek government has been taking so rigorously over the past few years. I will start referring a little bit, since this is an investment conference, it's it's an economic conference for Greek companies. uh, Let us remember where we were in 2010-2011. We were nowhere. The banks that are on the panel would, you know, would look us with big, big question marks, even though there were a co- core banks and we had the privilege to bank with them back then. Um, projects simply were very, very difficult, not only to be thought of, but to, to be financed. And there was a huge challenge that companies like all of us, or with different reasons, each one of us, who could do I mean, in order to survive. So the state of the economy was a much more backwards situation position compared to all the North European partners. Um, and the supply chains, the materials, the affordability of anything, which we were trying to do at the time, was simply very, very difficult, almost impossible. 2011, 2023, 12 years later. Yes, 12 years. Uh, 12 years later, we are at a step where we are now investment grade. Hopefully, next year the Athens Stock Exchange will become, will enter the developed markets. And all the banks, not only the ones which are present, which, with whom we always were close, but all other international banks always continue looking at us. And Greece has really made huge strides. Uh, Mr. Skilakakis explained and gave all the numbers, indeed, how important renewables are becoming, what percentage out of our electricity is out of renewables. I remember the prime minister mentioned that sometime in October, uh, for so many hours during the during the uh, one day, we were only supplied with renewable electricity out of renewable energy. So, in, I prefer not to go into too detail, too much detail, because it has been covered by most of the speakers. But I would say, I would like to say that energy with our own means is what now matters in Greece, sun, wind and sea. So let's do more of the same in which we know how to do it well and all of us here have our own experience, bigger or smaller, in this field. Bringing us to Motoroy and how we had to survive and move into this period. Uh, clearly, we had all the problems that I just described. Maybe because we're an export refinery, we were sort of insulated to a certain extent, as most of our, of our production would be exported in the greater Southeast Europe area, Eastern Mediterranean, which again is one of the very, very big advantages this country has, and at least at last now the government the ministers and the you know and the outside world is realizing and recognizing so we being in the fossil fuel a very advanced refinery one of the most advanced refineries in europe as far as technology is concerned we had to look at the next day we had to look how will this refinery be around in 10 15 years from now so these questions came to us 2018, 2017, 2019, these two years, really, five years ago. And so we moved in creating four pillars, where the first pillar would be the traditional refining business, where we set very strict criteria into how are we going to take our investment decisions when investing in the refining business, less than five years' repayment period. Net debt will be done not higher than three and a half times so that our you know, credit investors and our banks and everybody else is happy. And the second pillar, which is retail, where we were already very, you know, very present through the Shell and RV networks, this is gradually transforming into sm- smart shops, mini markets, charging stations of our former petrol stations. The third pillar was and is renewables. We were fortunate with, uh, as Kostas mentioned, with some acquisition, some m a activity we did in Greece over the past few years and so from zero, we are now having 833, 32 megawatts operating in a very big pipeline. And last but not least, cyclical economy, waste management because this is another field where Greece is very much behind we get a lot of penalties from the European Union for not abiding by the rules and so we entered this field as well because we believe there is future. So a refinery that was trying to finance its oil back in 2011 to find banks to open letters of credit because the Greek banks were not acceptable by our supplies at the time to moving and being a pioneer in widening, broadening our operations. So I'll stop here. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Petros. And we are moving on to Nomura, PJ Descents. Every year you provide us, you know, with detail about, you know, evolution, you know, in the sector. So I'm I'm hugely tempted to ask you, the megatrends currently in the energy transition are low carbon fuels and offshore wind in which you are both heavily involved can you please provide us with an overview and given that we discussed about oil majors and that are in the process of redefining themselves can you please provide us with real life examples in which you are involved in that process thank you bj
5: Sure, certainly. So I represent part of Namora's investment bank called Namora Green Tech. So we, we do what it sounds like we do. We focus on everything related to sustainable technology and infrastructure. And the last year has been an exciting period. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of what's been reflected in the comment of the, the last two gentlemen have spoke w- spoken, which is large incumbent energy companies thinking about how they expand investments into various aspects uh, of energy transition. Um, in addition to what's been mentioned, some of the things that we've been involved in include uh, BP's uh, acquisition of its joint venture called Lightsource, which is about 60 gigawatts of solar development in, in 19 countries, including Greece. Um, so that's a very material transaction in terms of how a large uh, energy major is not just thinking about uh, solar and storage development and building out that infrastructure, But is also doing it as a furtherance of their own uh, ambitions in converting uh, renewable electrons into other commodities like hydrogen. Uh, And and that's something I'll talk a little bit more about, which we see as a really exciting piece of what's on the horizon. Um, Here domestically, we do quite a bit uh, in the U.S. working with uh, U.S. companies. The U.S. has a big renewable energy development market. Repsol out of Spain is an example of a, a company that we brought into the U.S. recently through their investment into a renewable development platform called ConnectGen. So it's been, it's been quite a busy year um, internationally along the theme of, of what's been reflected uh, in the first part of this panel in, in traditional energy companies growing their exposure in renewables. Um, low carbon fuels is interesting and I think it's important here to, to segment uh, how we think about low carbon fuels in a couple of pieces. I think historically, when somebody said low carbon fuels, we've thought about biofuels or or fuels that are made out of uh, biogenic or or crop based inputs, which are fine but are actually somewhat difficult to scale, um, can be expensive, can run into challenges of kind of a dual commodity um, bind where the input commodities aren't necessarily uh, linked or indexed to the output commodities. Uh, one of the things that, that we've been working on quite a bit lately is power to X or taking uh, electrons and turning those into a commodity, usually some type of fuel commodity, and that can be hydrogen or a hydrogen derivative or um, industrial intermediaries like methanol which can be a shipping fuel uh, can be an input into producing uh, important and valued commodities like sustainable aviation fuel um, so that's something that we've been working with a number of clients on funding some of those initial industrial scale projects which is, is, is a, a, a new area of finance I think it's one that initially there's going to be a lot of equity capital formed into those these aren't quite at the stage where they're as deeply bankable as some of the traditional renewable technologies like wind and solar, which benefit from you know, technically being um, lo- low risk and in-, and in turn low return. But I think this is actually an exciting area as the cost of capital in the last year and a half has gone up, uh, interest rates have gone up, capital is not as inexpensive as it used to be. Um, and as a result, I think companies are, are looking into how they might achieve higher return projects. And some of that's going to take the, the management uh, and understanding of, of commodity exposure, which a lot of the traditional energies um, have as a strong suit. And I touched on offshore wind as well. I thought it was really exciting to hear um, the uh, objectives in Greece of, of reaching 12 gigawatts of offshore. We could be sitting here in a couple of years having Greece surpass the United States in offshore wind production. Um, we're kind of struggling here domestically and getting our industry off the ground. Um, but we see this as an area that, that that's going to um, be an important contributor as well. Uh, we've, we've worked I- in Asia, where a number of the Asian companies, I think, are, are going to be the next source of large uh, offshore wind development and capacity installation. And I think as the, the industry continues to mature, seeing some of that come to other parts of, of Europe, like Greece, is, uh, is an area that we're paying attention to and look forward to working in as well. You know, as, as Namora, we're, we're not a, a balance sheet bank, so we're not a low-cost capital provider or lender. So the components of what we provide clients are really thinking about advisory on transactions, thinking about how, how to help companies execute on their strategy by acquiring uh, capabilities, technologies, assets. Uh, we think about how to uh, intermediate in the, um, the, the growth capital for how these industries are being built up and how developers of, of new infrastructure are getting that kind of uh, construction uh, capital and some of that intermediary capital that sits between kind of pure risk capital and having access to the broader capital markets like the debt capital markets and the equity capital markets and the last thing i'll say we spent a lot of time over the last two years building up a, a next generation transport and logistics platform which complements a lot of what's said about Greeks, uh, greece's leadership in the maritime industry um, a lot of what's going to happen in shipbuilding over the coming years and also looking forward to new forms of bunkering fuel that are going to provision uh, the next generations of ships that are built and, and progress the energy transition and, and shipping transportation emissions.
0: Thank you so much, PJ, for all this uh, interesting intel. As always, my grave mission, not to mention that you are the managing director and global co-head of Nomura Green Tech. And we move on right now to... Mr. Kostadinos Mavros, dear Kostantinos, CEO of Public Power Corporation Renewables. Kostantinos, you're in an interesting position. You're managing an entity in which the state holds a stake. Can you please brief us on energy transition in Greece, but from this angle? And a further question. Can you please give us more concrete examples of this energy transition involving your company? Thank you.
6: Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'd like to zoom out a bit. That would help, I think. So why do we really need and why this energy transition is happening? Actually, a is to protect the environment. We need to green the, to green the economy. B, we need to provide cheap electricity to increase competitiveness in Greece and elsewhere. And of course, there is. Uh, if we look at the recent geopolitical developments, it's very important to grant autonomy uh, in different geographies. So, this is a unique generational opportunity for Greece and other countries, specifically for Greece, uh, to gain autonomy and to become, actually, and I strongly believe that, a local superpower in the region. So, this is why we are all working systematically towards this energy transition. And what is that we do? Actually, uh, PPC Group and, of course, uh, all other companies working in the field we are decarbonizing, it, it has been mentioned, uh, we have been decarbonizing the euro now, de facto, we can see that 80% reduction has been achieved in uh, the last two decades. Uh, if we look at uh, the decarbonization issue, that creates a second pillar of the energy transition, uh, that is the decentralized production, and that is only happening via renewables. This is the cheapest form of electricity. The LCOE, the levelized cost of electricity, is quite low, and there is no doubt about it. So, this is the way forward. And uh, the last pillar of the energy transition is uh, digitization, because all the systems to work on decentralized matter need to be coordinated, and this is done uh, via software solutions and, of course, digitization. And this is what we do. We all do. And of course, at PPC, we give uh, a strong priority on that. Now, the country, if we look at the from a country perspective—I would say that the country is halfway through. Uh, amazing things have been happening during the last four years, and uh, still way to go. We are halfway again. I'd like to repeat, and we need to work vastly on that. There is an issue. And this is the elephant in this and every room that we need to address, and this is grid connection. We need to invest heavily on on all grid connections throughout the globe. And I'd like to mention two numbers. One would be half a trillion euros. Half a trillion euros need to be invested by 2030 in the European Union only in grid connections. This is an immense amount to be invested. And the second thing, zooming out even more, on a global level, we need to refurbish or rebuild. 80 80 million kilometers of networks to support the energy transition. This is exactly the size of the global network I'm going to speak today. So there is a huge challenge. Now the way we tackle the challenge at PPC Group and we believe that we are a pioneer, we are a regional player, and um, we support the, the autonomy issue for the European Union itself and of course for Greece. We invest very heavily and I believe we are the only one of the only entities. Uh, in southeastern Europe, in all kinds of renewables. So it's not only solar, it's wind, hydro, biomass, geothermal. We will be present in offshore wind quite shortly. And uh, of course, battery storage. So we need pluralism, we need to invest heavily on all technologies, and we need to support energy transition throughout. PPC has a very ambitious plan. We have already uh, gone up to 40% of the targets announced a few years ago. So, we have uh, two gigawatts in operation, uh, under construction, or in tendering process, and we feel very, very uh, comfortable with our targets and the achievement of those. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Costandinos. Before wrapping up, I owe one minute to Kostas Vassiliou to discuss a little bit more about the ESG strategy of Eurobank. Floor is yours, Kostas.
2: Um, yeah, I think, you know, let's, let's not say specifically Eurobank, but... Uh, First of all, uh, uh, just to define how we see ESG strategy within uh, Europe and, uh, and uh, the banking uh, sector. We want, uh, as always, uh, to be the enablers and the facilitators of uh, entrepreneurs and uh, the companies. We don't want to be uh, – we don't want to police uh, the, the climate uh, risk and uh, the ESG implementation and transformation of uh, each country. Uh, We see ESG in Eurobank as a huge, huge, uh, uh, you know, I repeat the word, opportunity. Why? Um, uh, Konstantinos just uh, mentioned uh, the investments that uh, have to take uh, place in order to transform uh, economies. These investments uh, require capital, requires equity capital, requires uh, debt capital. So, banks, uh, it's our job uh, to raise uh, uh, capital and through equity and capital markets and, of course provide our own balance sheet uh, to finance uh, these uh, projects. Also part of our strategy is not uh, to exclude anyone on this uh, process. What we're looking is actually the commitment of each uh, company in its transition to a more uh, uh, green uh, uh, footprint. We think it's a very, very big uh, uh, mistake in having list and uh, becoming regulators and say we exclude uh, this X, uh, Y, Z. We believe that uh, Uh, A lot of things uh, will be required in uh, this uh, transition. Uh, The regulators uh, themselves uh, change their minds. uh, uh, What is uh, green, what is the transitional transitional, uh, fuel. And uh, we're doing uh, our every best uh, in order to support uh, all our clients in this uh, transition uh, strategy regarding uh, our own uh, targets. We're following them very, very uh, uh, diligently. And uh, actually, we have commitments in the next uh, uh, three years uh, to disperse more than 2 billion uh, euros in uh, green and sustainably linked uh, uh, facilities, Uh, 35 percent since we're discussing about energy, 35 to 40 percent of uh, any financing that we will do on the energy sector. It has to be uh, sustainable, and uh, our target is that uh, 20 percent of uh, our overall uh, uh, portfolio, and I would like to remind uh, to our audience that all Greek banks uh, are heavily invested in the shipping uh, industry, uh, should, be, should be green, so uh, conscious of time, uh, I could talk hours uh, for that, but conscious of time, uh, this is pretty much the strategy,
0: thank you. Thank you so much, Kostas. I think we discussed today about technology, projects, financing, strategy, transition, and the likes. However. There is a central theme underpinning all this, which is called regulatory certainty. This includes political leadership committed to net-zero targets, strong market demand created by policies and regulations that encourage growth, a competitive and stable tax regime, and most of all robust rule of law. Without such regulatory certainty, energy transition will be an exercise in futility. Many politicians in this room and around, and I hope that they all hear. Thank you all. That was a really, you know, a fantastic panel. And see you next year in New York, and have a great rest of the day. Thank you.